I just picture like Brad and G'day Gridiron with like a, a tuxedo on, whereas when he comes here, he's, he suddenly turns into an Aussie bogan. I'm going to pull a Taylor and take uh, Patrick Mahomes. Hey. a shit, Brad. Oh, that wrong, 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 wrong. Look at this goddess of a woman. I mean, no wonder. <laughs> I mean... How old is she? 150. Reba's still looking bloody good for 68. G'day mates, Cobbers, and all you bloody little rippers out there. Welcome to the AGM Playoffs show. It's the combined AGM Playoffs and AGM Playoffs fantasy show where the Aussie Gridiron Network wraps up all that U-Butte fantasy bands and NFL bands from what has been an incredibly long and incredibly full season. And I am, for one, a little bit shaken to just come to the realisation that it's over. They call me Matty C and joining me on this adventure, this is the final drive of overtime, is only the one voice you think of when you hear the words Australian Gridiron. It's Manjot Melly. And, mate, I just need to do the welfare check on you. How are you feeling, brother? Oh, I'm, I'm fucking crushed. i, I got to be straight up honest with you guys. Oh, third time in my lifetime I'm going through this. First time... As a podcaster, Instagram guy, analyst, third yeah. year in a row where our season mm. gets ended in the last seconds. Oh man, it it just sucks, man. I I just got to say it. It just hurts. That's you know, and look, um, I think the the person we're going to bring in in a minute, without being insensitive to your needs, there, man, Joe, knows a little bit about what it's like to have some tough finishes to seasons because we're working on a, a smaller unit tonight. But the man who's joining us. Is also from our beautiful network, the Australian Gridiron Network. He's Queensland's coaching ace in Gridiron, but he's also turned out to be a not-so-secret ace at fantasy football in the last month or so too. It's Brad Cummins. Welcome back to the show, mate. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been a wild season, and what a way to just kind of finish it up. So uh, it's it. It was a it was an amazing experience, and and I look forward to kind of unpacking it a little yeah. bit more with you guys. I, I can't wait to get your uh, take on this for a game that I think was difficult for just the casual observer to come in and watch and enjoy. But for us who are football guys, I I couldn't look away, um, and I think that's a very different experience from the person who just parachutes in and expects to get a high scoring and fun game as a grand final. But Brad. Are you going to take from a 49er fan about feeling crushed at the end of season, losing a tough game in a sudden death situation? Because I feel like, you know, a bit about this and I'm not sure you should be taking that from a 49er fan. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was interested. I was going to ask Manja, how does he feel? Would he have rather been blown out or, or is it, does it, is the pain more for you uh losing it on the last second close one like this because i know for me i was just more angry and frustrated with with the ineptitude of my cowboys um for you how, how did you feel after were you were, were you just wishing oh man i, w- I wish we would got blown out uh look this definitely was the most crushing out of all the playoffs yeah. and all the super bowl losses mm. we had this definitely hurts the most because I'd rather this than getting blown out. And the reason why is because, and, and I know, I know we should, I should not be celebrating us, you know, getting in the Super Bowl, like as a participation trophy. I know some people don't want me to do that, but the fact we took them for five quarters to the distance, that alone, it's just like, yeah, you know, we, we did our best, and while we had our mistakes, we could have done better. Yes, I know. I think I know in my heart of hearts, the Niners were probably not winning that game because of Patrick Mahomes. That's just that's just how it feels. You Once know, you get to the top and you you falter on that step, that that it's just you got more shit for doing that than you do for losing early in the playoffs. Because who's raining on? you know, teams who didn't get to the Super Bowl now. Nobody, nobody, because yeah. all we're doing yeah. is uh, focusing on the recency, right? And, man, Joe, it does get worse. So, mate, as a Dragons fan, I watched four grand final losses in a span of less than 10 years. Ooh. So, if you want to talk a little bit of heartache, come and sit at my table. Um, I'll talk you through it, man. Oh, um, man. yeah. <laughs> Trust me. The uh, yeah, no, speaking of the Broncos, man, like that grand final loss, it just felt like, yeah, this this Super Bowl felt like the NRL Grand Final we just saw uh, last yeah. year. 
It literally felt the same. My team lost to the best player in the world. After oh, leading most man. of the game. You know, yeah. After leading most of the game in both of them. So the parallels are kind of a bit um, a yeah. bit amazing. The the game, I think we should uh, we should focus on this game and we'll get a bit more in-depth analysis now. Of course, what we saw was five quarters of, inc- of incredibly close football. We, the 49ers did what I think they kind of needed to do when they got out to a lead. And then in the second quarter, things changed a bit and the game got much more tense and tight. There were some turnovers and it was not always pretty. But then we got a game that was such a seesaw and very close the whole rest of the way. I, I do think, man, you're the best place to start talking about it because you're the one who's got the team in the game. Give us from from that, you get the early, you get the first score. You get the Christian McCaffrey score. How does that make you feel? You see that play. It's a broken play in the first place because that play is designed to go to Kittle. That's not there, but you still get this great touchdown out of it, and that gives you a springboard. Talk us through how that feels and, and how you're feeling at that point. Yeah, so... You know, first quarter, it was scoreless in the first quarter. Can you believe it? Mm. And I feel like the Niners, uh, they drove all the way down the field in the first drive and McCaffrey fumbled away. So for him to get that touchdown back kind of just felt like, yeah, he had to do it. You know, he had to redeem himself. And, you know, at that point, we go up 10 nothing. To be honest, look, it's midway for the second quarter. So I don't think this was you know, much of a choke, to be fair. Like, there's still, like, a whole half of the game to go. I feel like, you know, the thing is, yeah, we just had we, we just had a good play there. I feel like the Chiefs had a great play just a few, dra- a few moments later when, when Mahomes just hit that 52-yard pass. Yeah. And, look, ah, yeah, I know, I know Logan Ryan lost it in the lights. It should have been a pick, but, you know, Mahomes makes things happen. And then Pacheco fumbles it the next play. I feel like that's the Mm. sort of thing. It was like both teams made their mistakes in that first half. I feel like a lot of people have said, oh, the Niners probably should have been up three scores. But even then, I feel like if we had scored three touchdowns, I feel like the Chiefs would have still been in it. So it's just how Mahomes would have matched the moment. I just feel like that's how it would have been. In a 10-3 game at halftime, though, Brad, give us your in- impressions of that first half, too. Because as Manjot says, it wasn't like it was all one-way traffic on the scoreboard, but there was definite ease of movement for one team over another, right? Absolutely. And if you were, if you saw the Chiefs just they're, they're on the offense, their body language, they just looked stymied. They, they, mm. they didn't have an answer. They just they couldn't get anything rolling. They didn't have any rhythm. And you felt like the 49ers were in control of this game and then they were going to kind of bust things open. Um, I think, you know, I had the belief that at halftime that the Chiefs would make adjustments and it, and it would be a little bit more close. And I, I still felt good uh, about the Chiefs. But coming, coming into that halftime, it was just – it felt really one-sided – and it felt like Shanahan had all was pushing all the right buttons. Um, but this is the third time where I feel like that that's kind of happened with Shanahan. And then for whatever reason, it just has not worked out for him in the second half. I think too, and and I'd be interested to hear your your take on this too, coming from very much the coach's brain of it. The Chiefs hold that ball for practically that last four minutes of that first half after the. There's the touchdown drive, and then they, they steady the ship. They get on the board, um, yeah. and it's late in the half, and they get on the board. But they hold that ball, and they know they're getting the ball back. What, what's the mentality like as the coach in that situation? How important was that for the Chiefs, do you think? Getting that last uh, field goal? Yeah, and getting that last say, keeping the ball away, and knowing you've got it to come out in the second half. What's yeah. the importance yeah. of that? Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely Huge. I mean, that's why you see the majority of teams defer uh, in, when they if they win the coin toss so that they can get the ball in the second half. And it, you can never underestimate the the power of that of getting a stop or or getting a score at the end of the first half, knowing mm. that you're going to get that ball back it, because the you know football is a game of momentum. And to to get a little bit of momentum going into the half and knowing that you're coming out with the ball, uh, it's it's massive. Now, they didn't do anything with the, <laughs> on that first drive uh, in the second half, 
but it, it's still it it it's amazing what it does to the psyche of the players and of the coaches. It's just a mm. real morale booster. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, just thinking about the, the kicking game and, and how influential that was. I don't want to jump the yeah. gun here, but wow. uh, yeah, it I was, definitely want to get your insights on that. Cause Obviously, they go into halftime. Great halftime show. We can talk about that a little bit later on too, very quickly. But they come in at halftime, and both teams have their difficulties moving the ball. And mm. straight away, the great punt from Wisniewski, who was punting pretty well anyway. But then to have the recovery on about the two yard line to start their second drive of the half after their first half, their first drive comes out. Pacheco drops the ball again. They're instantly in second and twelve, and they can't complete. They get a stop, but then they're back down on their two yard line. It's, it's it then becomes such a tug of war, right? It, it's crazy, you know. It, you always say it takes all the different facets of the game: offense, defense, special teams. Um, but I personally don't think I've ever seen a Super Bowl so influenced by the kicking. Uh, game as as much as this one. Special teams, you've seen it where you know there has been like a, a kick return or for a touchdown or an onside kick that's happened in yeah. Super Bowls. Um, but in terms of just the pure kicking game, this is the the first one I can remember that's had such an impact on the momentum of games. I mean, we saw two. Um, Super Bowl records broken in one game for, you know, longest kicks. Yeah. When, when was, you know, that's uh, never happened before. So uh, it, it just was amazing to me. But it, I, again, I don't want to, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder here, but the 49ers, the injuries really, really yeah. took a toll on them. Uh, I thought, and it really sapped a lot of their momentum um, that they had going. And with the the loss of Greenlaw there, I think it was Mm. just, it was, it was huge. And you felt so bad for the guy. You never want to win a game because somebody else is hurt. You want to beat their best players. Um, So, I mean, you're never going to, you're not going to take it back. You're not going to forfeit a win. But, but but seeing Greenlaw go down like that and then seeing the 49ers trying to overcome the those obstacles, it was just it, – it, it broke my heart a little bit even though I was kind of rooting against them. I mean, and that's – you've said this before too, that once someone discovers a weakness, right, and Andy Reid does this better than a lot of people, yeah. he'll find your bitch and he'll just pick on them and pick on them and pick on them and – not that's not disparaging Burks because I think he was thrust into a really difficult situation, man, John. Uh, but how do you feel the defense recovered in that situation? How do you feel like they they did their work to try and cover the deficiency you get when you lose a star player and he has to be replaced by a guy who's not a star, but he has to do the job. How do you feel they did with that? Yeah, I don't think we did well. And the reason why is, well, when you look at the start of the game and on defense, Greenlaw was everywhere, man. I swear to God. He was he was on every tackle, and he was bringing the energy, the hype. The defense was feeding off that, and that's that's why he got injured too. He was celebrating his teammate, making a great play on the punt yeah. turn. He's running on the field. He gets injured. Man, it just feels like, I, I don't know, Maddie uh, and Brad, I, I don't know if I want to make the comparison, but like, you know Brady, right? He got some bits of luck going his way. Every yeah. he, he had that. I, I feel like I saw the meme. It was like black voodoo magic sort of thing go his way. I sort of felt that yeah. way about the Green Law thing. It was like, man, the lo- how does dude get injured when he's like so high for his teammates? I feel like, oh man, I was reading about Green Law's story as well. How. You know, he was adopted by his defensive coordinator in high school and everything. I just felt so bad for the guy because he'd gone through so much in life. In the biggest game of his life where he's making the biggest impact on the defense. Oh, it just made me sick. And then it was even worse watching Burks, who had been playing well in parts of, of, of the season. I mean, week five against Dallas. I think he was our highest graded player on PFF. Well, we probably needed that. Definitely, because the thing was, 
Kelsey, you can see his frustrations. He was yeah. heated. He was he was about to kill Andy Reid. I thought yeah. on the sideline, he was about to rip his head off. Like it's become legit, a meme. That, that that scene has become a real yeah, meme. <laughs> it has become a meme. He was about to rip the shit out of Andy Reid for not getting him the ball. He had one catch on one target for one yard at halftime, and then in the second half. They just targeted Burks, and for the entire game, Burks, he had nine targets against him, nine catches. He allowed every single one. He was the biggest deficiency in coverage the whole game, and that's what that's what hurts, I think, for me is, uh, you know, if Greenlaw played, I feel like, you know, our chances would have increased. I still feel like, yep. you know, Mahomes was still found a way. I'm not making excuses here. I, I didn't want to bring it up because – you know, I, I, I feel like people are like, oh, you guys, you know, just going to be, you, you guys just going to be crying, you know, after the Super Bowl. But seriously, though, Greenlaw's injury was was quite a turning point in this game. So we see the 49ers have that difficulty then trying to cover Kelsey. And and Brad, I think everyone had that on their, their, their bingo card, right? That Kelsey was going to be one target, one reception, one yard at halftime, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Just, just how every Chiefs fan drew it up. It's yeah. just, uh, it's you can, like you guys have said, you could just see him seething on the sidelines, and he, he made comment that he loves Andy Reid because and Reid has shown him, allowed him to channel that passion into something productive. Obviously, that passion got the better of him. Um, you know, I've, I've been in situations like that as, as a coach where it's just not it's not clicking. And I remember at halftime of a game, my quarterback just spitting chips at me because nothing was working and he just needed to vent. Um, okay. And and you just as a coach, you got to let it just kind of go off your back. And that's what Andy Reid did. So uh, he played it smart. He didn't. He, there's no ego with Andy Reid. He doesn't have anything to prove, and he knew it was just coming from a place of passion. Um, but obviously, they harnessed it. And and what you don't see, what they didn't show, is that a little bit, a few minutes later, Kelsey goes over and gives Reid a hug. So um, you know, it's it's just it is what it is. But nobody saw Kelsey having the, that first half stinker like we did. And I think we said here on the podcast, you know, uh, and it's no secret, the 49ers do a really great job of covering tight ends. Like they're yeah. the best in the NFL. So, it, it, but Andy Reid being Andy Reid, I figured he would get, the, get his mojo going in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then, so we see too that, as you said about the special teams, you say Kelsey has his frustrations, can't get going. The Chiefs' first touchdown comes off a weird special teams play where the ball hits a, a coverage player on the foot. And then, as that happened live, I'm watching Ray Ray McLeod going, the hell are you doing, mate? And it's not until you see the replay where you go, yes. well, he was forced into that position. Every commentator I've heard, I've heard three different calls of this game. All of them are like Ray Ray McLeod's lost his mind, and and then you see the replay, and everyone's apologising to him straight away because he was put in an impossible situation. Oh, yeah. And the touchdown comes a play oh, later from sixteen yards, right? So it's just a kind of yeah. a freak play. And this is again, Maddie, we had that magic. moment, didn't we? We had that moment in ACD Gridiron too. Remember, it was yep. like week three of twenty twenty two season. And, and you know, I, I think it was Trent, our boy Trent Fernandez. You know, he was he he was put in the same position, and I was like, "What the hell is he doing?" And then what's Trent doing? The and then we worked it out. Yeah, yeah, we we worked it out. So you know, it happens to the best of the commentators, and even to guys like us. You know, even to guys like, like Manjot, he's the best commentator on this whole island. <laughs> yeah, so so don't be don't be crit- don't be too harsh on the commentators yeah. because it's happened to us too. So yeah, it's just but this is that voodoo magic luck you were talking about though. The Chiefs get that they score their touchdown oh, the very next man. play, and it goes to Marcus Valdez Scanling, who again we were all pretty sure he was going to have a big day, right? Um, and that's kind of where then the scoring starts to free up in this game, and it's not all free flowing. It's still a lot of getting held up and having to take long kicks or um, or having a bit of luck go their way to get in positions to get the points but we did see the offenses start to loosen up again at this point man john yeah it was incredible like the defenses dominated until the chiefs took the lead and then it became 
a real back and forth, back and forth sort yeah. of game. It was it was good. I feel like once the Chiefs scored that touchdown, Valdez Scandling wide open, I feel like the Niners defense started to fall apart. But then I think this is where it became good. So the third quarter, I was pretty pissed off with Shanahan. I, I thought he could have run the ball a bit more. That yep. that's that's just me. But I feel like he made the adjustment. That's been a very and, common criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has been. But I feel like what is something is Shanahan actually adjusted and then started running the ball. Yeah. And it started going everything started going well. Then starts start the fourth quarter. Purdy throws a touchdown. I feel like this is the part where Brock Purdy like comes in. I don't think we've talked about him. He had a bit of a, a wobbly middle. Have- he started yeah, he started hot. He was really wobbly through the middle. But I feel like the fourth quarter um, and overtime, I, I just think Brock, Brock was Brock was doing everything to put that team yeah. in position to win. I, I don't think – I know a lot of people want to have this guy on his downfall. I know I'm probably going to be uh, – I know people are going to be like, oh, man, you got to be defending Purdy again, this and that. I know Brock himself apologized for not getting the team in, in enough touchdown positions. But I feel like Brock, you know, the thing I can't fault about him, you know, he put us in the lead three times. That is the thing. Yeah. In two times in the fourth quarter, the defense just didn't do its job at the end. Sort of the inverse of the first half. And I think that's true for both teams. In the first half, the defenses mm-hmm. were the stars. But in the second half, the offenses took over. And I feel, and same with overtime. Overtime continued on while I said about the second half. Offenses were just dominating. So, yeah, it was really, you know, Brock, he was hanging in there in the fourth quarter. He he put us up with that touchdown to Jennings. Uh, Moody missed that extra point, which uh, probably came back to bite us, but I don't think it did. I don't think it did because if we went up four points, I reckon Mahomes goes down the field, scores a touchdown. I just feel like he was having that sort of day. He's he's that sort of guy. He will score a touchdown. I, I just know it. I just know it. I, I know it sounds stupid, but I just know he would have scored a touchdown. And then, look, instead, you know, Moody misses. It's still a three-point game. Mahomes no, goes Moody down. doesn't miss. It gets blocked. It gets blocked. Give Moody all kinds of shit. It gets blocked. It gets blocked. It gets blocked. I I reckon, Mm -hmm. you know. The hold isn't very good and it gets blocked. Yeah. It just, you know, it it was blocked. Yes, indeed. And uh, then, you know, Chiefs score field goal. Niners go back. Have to get the first down to run out the clock, I reckon, to give Moody the last shot. But just didn't get it on third down. Gave it to Moody, he kicked it, and it was just it was just obvious. Mahomes was gonna lead them down. And then Bucker gets it to get into overtime. Just obvious it was gonna happen. So they had the chance in this too, Brad, to to finish the game before the uh, before going to overtime too. Uh, in that situation too, do you think that changes how Mahomes has managed the clock? Because I think it definitely changed how he managed the clock um, after the the touchdown where San Francisco got out to 16. I think then the pressure wasn't so on him to feel like he had to score in that drive. But on that last drive, knowing um, that the, the difference was three and that he had a couple of timeouts to use, do you think that changed how he managed the clock at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, can, uh, you, you can't underestimate... Um, the value of timeouts. And Mahomes has such a sixth sense about just spatial awareness and, and not just physically as, uh, as well, but he also just has a, a real awareness about, I think, better than any player I've seen about how far he can throw, how fast he, he can get a playoff, and how fast certain plays take or uh and so it's just it's it's unreal um the amount of knowledge preparation situational awareness that that Mahomes has but it's one thing to have that awareness it's another thing to then execute and that's I think what is making Mahomes uh arguably right up there with getting up there with Brady um, in terms of the best ever is just the, his like man job. That's the mentality people have nowadays of, well, even if he would have made the extra point, Mahomes is Mahomes. He's going to go down and score four yeah. points. I mean, that's just unreal. 
but it's it's the truth. It's 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 what he does. So yeah, it's, it's, it was cool. It's crazy. There's no higher leverage situation than you're down by three with two minutes to go in the Super Bowl. Um, but but the difference between being down by three with two timeouts and being down by four with two timeouts changes completely how he manages oh, the yeah. clock. And um, yeah. it's just interesting to hear that from the coaching perspective too. Um, that, mm. You know, it's not just as the, the player, but as a coach, the way you send your plays in and the way you get your quarterback to to manage that. Because um, I think definitely there was a period there where. Taylor was mentioned to us in the group chat later on. Oh, why, why weren't San Francisco taking timeouts beforehand? And it's like, well, because at that stage too, they don't want to risk not having any way to stop the clock if they end up with the ball back early. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's, the, the pressure of those situations can really show up who's got their heads about them. Of course, the game goes to overtime, which we um, we haven't been fortunate enough to see an overtime game for the first 50-odd Super Bowls. And now we've got another one so soon after, after having that crazy finish to the Patriots and Falcons one all those years back. But it brings about rule changes, and now the overtime is different to how it was in that first overtime game. We know that both teams are going to possess this ball no matter what happens on the first drive. Manjot, you get the first ball in overtime, and what does San Francisco 49ers go and do with that ball? Oh, he kicked a field goal. Honestly, I've got to talk about it because it's been yeah. it's been there. So, firstly, I know I know some Niners players didn't know the rules. To be honest, I can't really blame them because when you think about it, this is actually the first playoff game to go to overtime since that Bills, uh, the, sorry, Chiefs and Bengals in the 21 AFC Championship game, the week after that Bills Chiefs won that forced the, forced the overtime rule change. So I know Niners, we probably should have known the rules, but I feel like it's been ages since the Niners have gone to overtime in, in the playoffs. I think it's been, oh man, can I even remember it? Probably 2011. Probably I think it was the 2011 NFC Championship game where Carl Williams fumbled it away. Ah, goddamn punt returns, man. Everything came back to bite. Ah, yeah. But overtime, it was interesting. Another injury, you know, another couple injuries, actually. Really cruel us here, I reckon. Um, You know, Debo, he had his hamstring injured. I feel like uh, it could have been more of a factor in this game, but I just feel like they didn't throw his way because his leg was done. Oh, I feel like they didn't stop throwing to him and he couldn't make yeah. the connection because he just wasn't just where couldn't. he should be because his, ha- his hand hobbled, right? And he gets 11 yeah. targets in the Super Bowl, three catches for 30 yards. The most yeah. undebo game you can have on 11 targets, right? Yeah, 100%. But there was a couple what more injuries. Yeah. Couple more injuries, I reckon. John Feliciano, definitely right guard. He was the highest graded guard by PFF in this entire game. So that shows you, you know, when he went down, they had to bring in Burford. I mean, yeah, that's where it kind of changed. And Kittle going out right at the end of regulation to get his shoulder strapped up. There was a big holding call on on Warner, I think it was one of the backup tight ends. It was some uh, some guy that never gets the ball. To be fair, I can't even. I think it was. I I just don't even remember. I'm pretty sure it was Warner, but I don't think it was. Um, but yeah, big holding call on him. Kind of, you know, it just stalled the momentum a bit. Yeah. And then that last play, it's just. I I feel like it was Burford's fault. I I think he he missed. He went to the left and he left Chris Jones unblocked. And Purdy had two options for the touchdown, either the out route to Jennings or he has IU wide open in the middle for the touchdown. That would have made it. And also the other big talking point is should San Francisco have deferred and got the ball second? I don't think so. I feel like we Never. made the right choice. No, I feel like we made the right choice because if you think about it, we get a touchdown, they get a touchdown, we get the ball next. If it was the other way around, they get a touchdown, then we responded with a touchdown. You're just giving Mahomes the game. I, so I feel like Shanahan made the right choice there. I feel like, you know, we played as, you know, we played well. I feel like the only thing I wish we've done, as probably because of hindsight, is I kind of wish we went for a fourth and four because you kind of know you, you need a touchdown to beat Mahomes or, or to keep the game going in this situation. So... I feel like if we had gone for the points or at least gone for the for four yards to get the first down, you know, we, we could have we could have got it. But you know, if we hadn't got it, 
then I'd be fine with Butker kicking the field goal. I feel like that's a decision I'd be fine with. And either way, you know, we're losing it. I, I just know Mahomes was going to do a sink. So we see the San Francisco 49er field goal. And I, I don't know that Purdy could have done anything to get to that read to look over to his left. The, the, the player blown up so like early Burrow. that he was never just getting like across Burrow, to his left man. to read that, right? So Brad in that yeah. situation then, we see the Chiefs, that defensive stand there, what does that do for the offense coming out into the field? Knowing you've just you've gone from what could have been a touchdown situation or field goal, now you're coming out with a chance to win this game. As a coach, what are you sending your troops out with? Even though they're two completely different sides of the ball, your offense is buoyed. They're they're lifted, obviously, because it's like, okay, defense did their job. They did what they were supposed to do. We're now going to go out and we're going to do our job. And that's exactly what you, you, you saw happen. I just I, I gotta say the just the Chiefs and what Spagnola did the defensive coordinator was he was just a mastermind. I, I felt like I was just watching two grandmasters play chess uh, yeah. uh, between him and Shanahan and just the adjustments and the and the way Spags would bring different blitzes. I don't want to get too into the weeds here. But he put a, 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 what we call a, a cover zero blitz um, in overtime. Uh, it was at a key moment in the game. And Risky. cover zero is when you don't have anybody playing deep o- over the top. At least, at least doesn't look like it. And he he kind of was a high risk, high reward. And every time he did that, that high risk, high reward, it paid off for the Chiefs. And what impressed me is that so many coaches kind of go into this safe mode and shell mode. Uh, we're just going to game manage, but he didn't. He just he just played balls to the wall, and he, he stuck with who he was, and he, he kind of went counter with some of his tendencies and stuff. So it was just – it was brilliant. It was really – from a coaching perspective, it was absolutely brilliant to watch what was happening yeah. on both sides of the ball. Well, and then history has it, you get down the other end of the field and uh, this moment as the, the the final seconds of that first period of overtime are ending and you see Mahomes break out to the right and throw that pass. It was a moment as he threw that ball where he just stopped as his arm kept going and you could see he knew what the result of that play was going to be and he took that fraction of a second to enjoy watching as that ball made its way. Harmon makes the catch, that's the touchdown and that's going to end the game and he then immediately embraces Harmon but nobody else who's on the field. He immediately runs to the bench to embrace the guys who weren't on the field for the moment. And I think that's an amazing piece of presence of mind uh, for somebody who's, um, yeah, it's gone and only done pretty much what people are expecting of a player of his caliber to be doing, having trailed all day to then turn around and do it and to have the presence of mind to do that was a fascinating takeaway for me from that. Um, mm. Manjo, I know you're not going to have great memories of that moment, but I will throw to Brad real quick to get your take on on just that the touchdown moment at the end that sealed the game. Uh, I, I jumped up out of my chair. I was telling you before the recording, I, I had to watch it later in the evening. I still didn't know <laughs> the outcome. And it it's was amazing, by the way. I'm yeah. so glad you didn't get spoiled for you. Uh, me, you and me both. It, it was, you know, close to two in the morning or whatever. I'm watching this and I'm, I'm tired. I'd had a few drinks. I'm tired. A long day work. Yeah. And, and, and when he did that, I just jumped out of my chair and did a fist pump and, and I'm not rubbing it in man job, but it was <laughs> yeah. just, it was exciting, exciting moment. Um, and I just, I felt like unless you're a 49ers fan, which I understand their anguish, um, that yeah, yeah, how could you not get excited over it? How could you not get pumped? And just just seeing it uh, was just was was electric. And I thought this is why yeah. we play sports. This is why I watch sports. And this is what sports is all about. And, and uh, you know, there's got to be a loser. But and as cliche as it sounds, I thought the game of football won uh, that day. So I don't want to sound salty. But that's exactly what the NFL wanted, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I don't I don't want this to sound like a conspiracy where I'm saying the NFL's rigged, the NFL's scripted. No, but I think this is probably the perfect ending that the NFL wanted. A game, yeah. a Super Bowl yeah. that went the full length of the distance all the way to what 
almost was a second overtime as was almost leaked by the script was almost leaked there by the cbs sports president but <laughs> yeah look I, i'm not getting into the into the conspiracy but i feel like it's just perfect like they wanted you know the chiefs to get the win and get it all done and Taylor Swift to be all happy with all of her, you know, as I spies, Lana Del Rey, Purdy, when I look back at it, he had a bit of a rough stumble throughout it. But for a guy in his first Super Bowl, you hung in with Patrick Mahomes, possibly the goat of this entire sport for five entire quarters. I think Purdy deserves a lot of credit for what he's done this season. I know I've debated about him, defended him, everything throughout the season. I feel like, you know, there's got to be some credit going his way. And to me, I feel like I sort of stepped back in that moment and just thought about the NFL history applications of this. I feel like for the Niners, man, three Super Bowl losses in the last 10 years. It hurts. 11 years, sorry. Last 11 years, three Super Bowls. It freaking hurts. But then you look at the Chiefs, it's another dynasty. And I feel like, you know, Mahomes, I, I was happy for Mahomes. I like him. He's one of my favorite players. Up there with Lamar. I know, I know sometimes I pedal Lamar to be I say Lamar better than Mahomes sometimes. I I, I it's just all you know, the time. I have a, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I have not not anymore after this year's AFC championship. Not anymore. You get new information, you get the uh, opportunity to change your mind. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I gave Lamar, you know, a chance to to be able to prove me right. He, he didn't, but yeah, Mahomes he did that to everyone this playoffs. I feel like people who say, "Ah, oh, 49ers, they had a different quarterback." Well, if you gave us Tua, are we doing it? Mm, probably not. If you gave, I know the teams are different and everything, but. If you gave us Josh Allen, I mean, it's shown three times in the playoffs he's lost to Mahomes. If you gave us Lamar, yeah. I mean, Lamar mm, had a Give Josh team. Allen that, that uh, offensive line, give him those weapons. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Look, probably, but you can't afford yeah. Josh Allen if you're going to have all those. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I feel like, you know. The budget only goes so far. <laughs> what, what my point is, Maddie, though, is every quarterback in this league, I feel like Patrick Mahomes is just – He's just going to destroy his league. Like, that's the way. It's just like Michael Jordan back in the 90s when you think about it. I don't think I've... When I look at this from a historical standpoint, when you look at Tom Brady's entire career, I don't think there was many points in his career where you could say Tom Brady was so far ahead of every quarterback. Like, and this is no disrespect of... Uh, Tom Brady, but I just think it's the difference in the game. Like when Brady played, he had great quarterbacks around him. Like obviously Peyton Manning was the biggest example, but then you had guys like Rogers, Breeze, uh, even Kurt Warner was out there. Roethlisberger was out there. These sort of guys that were contending for Super Bowls, able to win multiple rings and get to multiple Super Bowls, that sort of thing. I feel like this generation though, there's not really been that challenger to Mahomes. I feel like every challenger has come and every challenger has failed. And we haven't had that. We didn't have that in Brady's career until maybe the mid-2010s, I would say, when when Peyton retired. I would say you kind of had Brady and everyone else. Like, he had Matt Ryan to contend with in, in Super Bowl 51, which also went to overtime. And then look at Super Bowl 52, that, 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 that season when... They had Bortles and Foles and Keenum as the other championship game quarterbacks. I feel like those are the only couple seasons where I really saw that level where Brady is like a hundred times better. Like I just felt like there was always that competitor for Brady. But I feel like for Mahomes, I don't think he'll go a decade without winning a Super Bowl like Brady did between his third and his fourth. I think Mahomes will get it a lot sooner. Wow. I feel like that's the sort of thing. And, and, you know, for Kyle Shanahan, there's hope because on the other sideline, Andy Reid, he went through the exact same things in in his tenure as a Philadelphia head coach in the early parts of his KC tenure. He went through a lot of losses, a lot of chokes and everything. I feel like there's that sort of thing. As Shanahan, you know, continues, he'll eventually get there. I think he'll get over. He's too good of a coach to... He's a young bloke. 
Yeah, he's still young. I feel like he'll get there, and I think he can still get there with this roster. There's still hope. So, for me, you know, in the immediate shot, aftermath, right? yeah, in the immediate aftermath was was sort of pain. But yeah, I know Brad. It was a long ass answer, but in the immediate <laughs> aftermath was pain. But when you look at all the historical things, I think I think my NFL history brain kind of kind of kind of likes this for some reason. <laughs> About a third of that. That was a get ten minute answer, that was a but seven minute answer. <laughs> Yes, yeah. sorry. Sorry, I know I went too long. My NFL history brain had to we, we we don't let my NFL history brain go enough, I feel like sometimes. So it's all right, you'll have your own to... podcast to do that in the new season, probably. <laughs> oh, oh, oh teasing. Plenty of foreskin. But we'll get into some uh some lighter topics in a little minute. But the breakdown of that is Chiefs go on and get their third in just such a short period of time. Just imagine them having been to four out of the last five and uh, and only the great Tom Brady, uh, the, the difference between Patrick Mahomes potentially having even more than he does now. And and I guess this is the, the questions people are already having through the off-season is where does Mahomes rate all time? Um, and, and all those sort of conversations will roll on through the off-season. For us, we put a lot of bets and we stuck our chin out and we talked a lot about what we thought was going to happen in this Super Bowl. We go to a few different starts, right? We decided we wanted to talk about the anthem. We decided we wanted to talk about if any kick that's going for points is going to hit a post. We also went for some longest plays, what was going to be the longest made field goal and what was going to be the longest touchdown play. And, of course, when it comes time to celebrating, we also wanted to have a little bit of uh, skin in the what colour of the Gatorade was going to be. Of us picking results, no surprise, Manjot went with the 49ers. The rest of us, I think, was surprising that we all went the Chiefs. So you get four of us who all get that one right. And sadly, Manjot, who had a one-point lead going into last week in just the head-to-head pick him for the whole season, he was up eight points. All these other boys had seven except for me. I was, uh, I was languishing on three, which is, you know, good, yeah. good shit, Matty. You're fucking tearing this up. Uh, Manjot, it, you relinquish your lead to everybody. And now it means that yourself, Ian, Brad, and Taylor all finished with eight out of a possible 13. That's, it's just about the most unclimactic way to finish, isn't it? That you, all guys, you guys all have to have a group hug and share one trophy between a lot of you. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is uh, unclimactic, uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, what, what can you do? A tie, a tie is a tie. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really have even a smart countback system. I mean, I suggested who tipped the 49ers the least, and I got shouted out of the room. So, uh, oh, so much for that. <laughs> if, if we had the full cast, too, I was thinking, oh, we should just play a little game, but uh, probably not fair to play the game without the whole crew. That said, I put these guys through the paces with the quiz I was going to give, and that will be a little Easter egg at the end of the show. So stick around at the very end Ooh. for that, okay? So there's some foreskin hanging out there. The closest we got to picking the right score, though, it's t- probably Taylor. He went for 27-21 in terms of the two teams with the lower scores. We had a 25-22 game. Everybody else had at least one team scoring 30. So I think we've probably got to give Taylor a little nod, not a point, but a little nod for going the closest with the score. Respect, yeah. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give him a point for that. Fuck, nearest the pin on that? No, that's not how we roll. Um, especially since Manjot got a score right in the very first week when he got the uh, the Bills and Pittsburgh Steelers playoff score and team winning it right. Well done, mate. Two points for that. Oh, yeah. Almost, yeah. I was like, oh, this year I better repeat in the Super Bowl. I really was hoping, you know. But, yeah, look, yeah, two times I've gotten a score right in, in yeah. this sort of situation, on this show in two seasons. So, yeah, I mean, that was good. Impressive, that gave bro. me the bonus point to get me the get me the tie. So that as well. Yeah, gave me that yeah. bonus point. I just wanted to add that caveat. Everyone else tipped eight out of thirteen. I tipped seven out of thirteen. But I got bonus I got a bonus point for, for yes, that you did, correct sir. score. So I just wanted to correct the record there and saying, you know, I may have tipped a little bit worse than everyone, but I, I was a little bit more right on than everyone at picking Bill Steelers. So yeah, I, I'm I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm He's calling myself a fraud. 
Well, you're going to see on the the graphics that go out through this week too. On on that scoreboard, you're going to have a little, uh, just a little medallion hanging off your little headshot there, Manjot, too, just to show that your eight was because you did something a little extraordinary to get to eight, and that was the tipping the right score in that wild card round. Oh, okay. So next year, don't blow your load on wild card weekend, mate. Uh, definitely don't do that. <laughs> the other bets we had. Uh, we went for over and under 86 and a half seconds on the anthem. Man, Jot, have you got a score for us on how that wound up? Who, how long did the anthem go for? You had the stopwatch uh, out, mate. Definitely, definitely over 90 seconds. I've had it at 97, but I said to you guys that was about a second or two over. So I think 96 is 95 or 96, I think. Yeah. But either way, it's over. It doesn't matter. Pretty like, safely mid-90s. We had a number close to mid-80s. I, I told you Reba, yeah. I told you Reba would hold that note long. I, I knew. I just knew. <laughs> yeah, kind of cheated. She did it twice. But, mate, when you get the microphone, you can do what you want, right? You've learned that over the last two years in yeah. podcasting. I mean, when you get a microphone, you can do what you want. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and at the moment, this does not seem too big for Reba. She just looked like she was having a great old time out there. Um, it's hard not to like her. Ian and Manjot picked that right. Um, yeah. And, and us three chuckleheads, Brad, yourself and uh, Taylor and I, we all, we all missed on that one because we went the under. We thought she was going to be snappy. The um, the next one we went for was, is the kick going to hit the post? And this is, there was a kick hit the post. It was a kickoff. It, it's um, got to we count. It's got to count. Come on, man. It doesn't count. So the, the caveat on it was, and this is why the caveat's there, is, is, a, is a point scoring kick going to hit the post? And uh, we went with no, but the the doink. How good was the sound of the doink? We're only talking about this in the lead up to last week's game. It was a nuke. How good was the sound of the doink? It was a nuke for sure. Sound like a nuke dropped on Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a nuke there, Maddie. Honestly, it, it rattled. Just boom. Yeah, I I love the doink sounds these these days. They put they put six cameras in the post for the Super Bowl as well, which is just great. You know, so. Yeah, I, I just love it. I just I just love the doinks these days. It's wasted when it's a kickoff because they won't show you all those cool angles. If that was like a, you know, a chip shot field goal or whatever, um, yeah, no worries. It'd show you all the angles and, and all the, the ways cameras rattle and that kind of thing on a doink. But it was just kind of wasted that that was kickoff. But um, at any rate, that's where, where some catching up happened because Manjot and Ian had gone for the doink would happen and everyone else had gone on the side uh, of no doink. So at this point... Um, on the just the five prop bets, we've gone through two of them and everyone's got one point from that. <sighs> this next couple are, are nearest the pin, so only one person can get it right. We talked about this. Price is right rules. So when you put your score in, if you went over what the actual was, you were just out and it was nearest who still had a guess that was under. So with longest field goal... Our longest field goal was like a kilometre longer than everyone else guessed. Do you know who our highest field goal distance guesser was? Taylor. Taylor. Yeah? He guessed 52, which is bold. What was the longest kick, Brad, in the Super Bowl? How long was it? Six and a half kilometres uh, or something? 57? Bloody hell. Yeah, I think it was 58. Yeah, 58 by Potka. It's a booming it's kick. Crazy. So, uh, so none of us close, but Taylor at 52 was the closest. Uh, and then there were just I'll, I'll read through the other guesses. Brad, yeah, you actually closest at fifty-one, um, and then Ian had forty-eight. I had forty-seven. And Manjot playing a cheeky little game where he put the low marker in at thirty-eight. Strategically, this is a good move, um, but sadly, you had to do it in a game yeah. where the only the Super Bowl longest kick record had to get broken twice within a bloody hour. So that's a bit bad luck there. But Taylor gets the point yeah. on that, and only one person can get the point on that one. The next one was the longest. Touchdown. I'm going to read these backwards, okay, because we had some pretty long guesses. Taylor had 41. I had 31. Then Ian had 29 and Manjot had 26. Still all of us are way off. The longest touchdown was 21 yards. Oh. So Brad gets the point because he gets 17. He played the sneaky back marker. Brad, what, yeah. what's the strategy there? Why would you set it so low? Because it came off. Well, I, my, my thought on that was that they're going to march down the field, but that once they get in the red zone, it's hard It's hard to score. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought teams are going to kind of play of a bend, don't break type of defense, and which is kind of what happened. You didn't see yeah. this necessarily massive explosive plays. So 
it also helps to have a little bit of luck on my side. Well, don't be too modest. Uh, that's, there's clear strategy there and it paid off and you get the tick for that. Fellas, the last one was the color of Gatorade for the Gatorade bath. Amazingly, we all picked different colors, even though Brad wasn't live with us uh, and he hadn't heard what we guessed when he put his tip in. So we had five different tips. We had a blue, a purple, an orange, a lemon lime, a red. And, uh, and it looks like, of course, our buddy Taylor ticks the purple and he wins. Of course he does. He ended up with, including getting the, the winning team right, out of six the things we bet on then, he got four right. So he's clearly the king of the Super Bowl. So congratulations, Taylor, on a return to winning bloody everything. Um, I'm glad he's not here to gloat about it. Everyone else, we agree? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, he's always winning everything. Hey, look, that's a great point to leave now. We've been through plenty uh, on this first show. And in the next one, what we want to do is we want to get into how things broke down with our giveaway. And then we also want to break down the fantasy stuff that happened in the Super Bowl because it was wild. And I'm looking forward to spending the time with you guys on that. So in the meantime, uh, make sure that you catch that show. It's going to come out one day from now. And in the meantime, we'll catch you all then. Hooroo. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. I'm over with my second pick. I probably dug myself a hole, and now I'm just going to stay in the hole. So it's all good. You guys got me here. Changing his name by deed poll yeah, for work purposes that. next year. Yeah, 100%. Aussie? But lucky we have an opportunity to turn it all around this weekend. Uh, yeah. Not me. Not me. I'm forever done. NFL? Like all families, there are some times when we get perturbed at each other. And Ian, you know, doesn't like it when I call him a Philstine. Wow, I don't even know what that means. Fantasy. Ah, yeah. So, and I haven't pulled together a combined total yet, and, and it's mainly because it would be that Taylor is winning it and not Maddie C. Yeah. So, the second I'm in front, <laughs> you'll see an aggregate. <laughs> this is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. Could I come in with a guess? Or? No. No, we're not no. Doing that. Anybody bought Manjot? <laughs> <laughs>